Our scripture reading this morning is taken from the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 12, verses 14 through 16. In your pew Bibles, that's on page uh, 1070, 1070. Hebrews chapter 12, 14 through 16. Pursue peace with all people, and holiness without no one will see the Lord, without, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest this morning, again, we welcome you. It does encourage us that you're here And we hope that we can be an encouragement to you. Uh, We do want to continually remind you that we're placing a strong emphasis the last 48 days of this year on prayer. And the prayer blog continues to be visited. At the beginning of this week, there's over 1,200 hits, and that's a great encouragement. Uh, I'm sure by the end of this past week, there are a lot more than that. And so everybody continue to read those. We want, on a daily basis, to have our minds set up on a study of prayer and meditation and prayer. And we hope... That that'll be our life for the rest of our life is a, a life of praying without ceasing. Also, be sure and keep in mind that the prayer panels are still at the ends of each of the four years. Be sure and take prayer requests that uh, your brothers and sisters in Christ have asked you to pray about and pray those for a few days and bring those back and bring uh, and and uh, then take other prayer requests also with you. It's a wonderful privilege and honor uh, to be able to pray for each other. Are you open? Are you open to holiness? That's what we're going to look at this month as we think about the last month of our year-long theme of Are You Open? We hope that you have been open this year to learning more of God's will in your life. And we hope that you'll be open to setting as, as your strong desire for the year coming up that you truly will grow closer to God next year than even what you have this year. Are you open to that? Sam was an older fellow that was eyewitness to a burglary and, and uh, the defense attorney stood before him as he sat on, uh, the, in the courtroom there and, and asked him, Now, sir, are you certain you saw my client take those goods? He said, Yes, I plainly saw him. And he said, now, sir, you know it was in the nighttime when he took those goods. Are you sure that you saw him take those goods at the nighttime? He said, yes, I could plainly see. I saw him take those goods. And he said, sir, I hate to bring this up, but he said, you know, you're over 90 years old. Just how, how far off can, can a 90-year-old man see at night? He cleverly paused for a moment and he said, well, I can see the moon. About how far is that? Now, when you think about seeing, what can you see? We're asking this month, are you open to holiness? Can you see what a life looks like that's lived out in holiness? But it's not just seeing holiness. The text that was just read for us reveals for us that if we do not pursue peace with all people and holiness in which we will not 
see God. You want to see God? You and I have to pursue a life of peace with other people. Romans 12 teaches us that there will be some people, it won't be possible for us to live peacefully with them. But we are to pursue a life of peace if we are to see God. But He places an and in there. We pursue the life of peace and holiness. In which then you can see God. I believe that that seeing God is literal. Everybody that's going to live with God face to face in His presence for an eternity, it's going to be people that on this earth, they pursued the holiness of God. I also believe that that can have a double meaning of figuratively. On this earth, we can see God living in our life. We can see God making a difference. We can see the power and the work of God on a regular basis whenever we're living a life of holiness. But if we're not living the life of holiness, we can go day in and day out and never see God. Haven't you been in one of those situations where someone says, Don't you realize they're really, really mad at you? I don't see... You don't see that? How many times maybe have we seen a parent say to a child, don't you see how this is going to affect your future? You see, it's that open your eyes, figuratively speaking. Can you understand this? Can you see this? When we pursue the holiness of God, we have spiritual eyes that are open to see God, to see His will, to see His blessings, that for an eternity, we literally will see God. But please note this. These blessings that He says here in the 14th verse, they're all about whether or not we pursue holiness. I want you in your mind's eye for just a moment. I want you to imagine when you see on those discovery channels or whatever animal, planet, whatever it may be. uh, I want you to, in your mind's eye, I want you to see that cheetah pursuing the antelope. Or maybe you see a a young person that they're graduating out of college and they've worked hard to get that degree and and they're sending out uh, resumes and, and they're networking with people that they know and they really, really are pursuing a job. Or then you imagine someone who's doing nothing. They sit around and talk about how they wish they could get a job, but I don't guess there's any jobs. You know, it's a bad economy. Quite a difference, isn't there? There's a huge difference in saying, I wish I had something, and pursuing something. Listen, God described it that way for a reason. If you and I are ever going to achieve holiness, it will never be the result of a casual effort. It will never just happen and be one of those moments of, well, will you look at that? I never expected that. Have you ever thought about that no one will enter heaven that way? Have you ever thought about that? No one is going to walk into heaven and say, I never thought about this. This just this blows my mind. I never thought I would be here. The shock of all shocks. I actually made it to heaven. Can you believe that? Nobody. The only people that are going to spend eternity with God are going to be the people who pursued the holiness of God. And if we're not in pursuit of it, we won't achieve it. People that get there, I'm not saying they're going to say they deserve it. We know none of us deserve it. It's only by God's grace and by His mercy 
But there won't be any surprises there. It'll be people that knew they gave their life in pursuit of peace with mankind and holiness toward God. Now, lest we make the mistake that we made the past few weeks, I even got a little bit last Wednesday night from this. You know, we, we had a, a little lesson on preeminence. I had several of you tell me I went halfway through that lesson before I figured out what preeminence was. Well, let's make sure that we don't go halfway through this lesson and somebody say, I still really don't know what holiness is. What is holiness? That's a worthy question to ask. What? What is holiness? Well, holiness comes from one aspect of the word of purity. It's the idea of pulling away from anything that would defile. So if we live a holy life, and let's just imagine, right here's the world, and, and the world is full of sin. A holy life is one that turns away, pulls away from the things that would defile, and lives a life of purity. But also holiness... Sometimes that word in Scripture is translated sanctification. Sometimes it's holiness, sometimes sanctification. It's the very same word. So that's a wonderful way to define holiness. Holiness is sanctification. You know, in Bible classes when you ask, hey, what's the definition of holiness? Almost every time the first answer that's given is set apart. That word set apart comes from that idea of sanctified. In other words, if here is the wor- uh, this is the world... To be holy is to be sanctified, to be set apart from the world. Now I want you to think about our part of holiness and God's part of holiness that He offers to us. Our part of holiness is whenever we come to the Lord to be saved, what do we do? We hear the gospel, we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and we repent. What does repentance mean? Repentance is that turn or change where we say, I'm going to leave the selfish conduct where I live for myself, where I did things to fulfill the fleshly pleasures, where I, ba- I, 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 did a wor- I spoke words and, and did actions based upon pride. I'm going to repent of that. I'm going to turn. I'm going to separate from that. And I'm going to live a holy life. In other words, I'm going to free my life from those things that defile my life. And so now I'm living a holy life. But now keep in mind, if we could do that, and that meant salvation, we could be our own Savior. Anybody here could just save themselves. All they'd have to do is just say, I repent. What takes care of the forgiveness of sins? We know that it's by God's grace that He offers us the opportunity to have our sins forgiven remissed, blotted out, taken out of the way that separates us from God. Our sins can be removed. When does that happen? When I'm first coming to Christ, that happens once I have repented and I confess before men that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and I am baptized into Christ. Why? For the remission of sins. When you and I come up out of that water, the Lord has forgiven us of our sins and now we are no longer in the world. Now our lives have been sanctified. Why? Because the Lord has set us apart. The Lord has washed away the guilt of our sins and we stand separate from the world. Separate for a cause. It's not isolated. It's to be set apart for a special use. Now, like under the old covenant... The children of Israel, they were a sanctified nation because God gave them regulations and laws that separated them with physical boundaries and and with guidelines that separated or distinguished them from other nations. We read in the New Testament that we, the church, we become a holy nation, Peter tells us. 
Why? Because we're set apart from the world. Now, before we go just a little deeper into this, I'd like to just real quickly review what we have just covered. This life of holiness has to be pursued. It's something that we're intentional about. It's something that we live each day saying, I want to live for God and separate from the world. We live each day thankful for the grace of God, realizing we would never have the opportunity to live a sanctified life if it were not for the blood of Jesus Christ, for the love of God, and for the mercy and grace that's bestowed upon us. But now here's the question. What is it that I need to know about this pursuit of holiness? Does just everybody have it? Does everybody that's religious have it? Does everybody that's just a good moral person, do they have it? Does everybody that, that kind of does a lot of things in, in a good spiritual way, do they have this life of holiness? Because keep in mind, without such, we cannot see God. I'd like to take you to three different passages this morning just for illustrations of these three. First, I'd like for us to go back to Matthew, the 23rd chapter, and we're looking on page 873 in the Bibles that are in your pews. 873, it's Matthew, the 23rd chapter. This is a pretty lengthy chapter, and it seems that the whole purpose of this chapter is for Jesus to address the scribes and Pharisees and tell them over and over what they're doing that is hypocritical. And if He doesn't call them a hypocrite over and over, every now and then He substitutes for the word hypocrite, blind guide. Because you see, the Pharisees were the religious leaders of their day, at least among a great number of people. They were the ones that knew the law better than anyone else. They were the ones that claimed to live a more righteous life. And so here's the question for our application of pursuing holiness. If we are religious, if we are very religious, if others consider us very religious, doesn't that just translate over into holiness? When you look at the 23rd chapter of Matthew, it's almost like it's almost yelling off of the page where Jesus is saying over and over, look how badly you have messed up when it comes to holiness. Friends, If my pursuit, please get this, if my pursuit is religion, I will miss holiness. Religion is a beautiful, beautiful aspect of the life of holiness. It's not that it's not important. It's very important. But our pursuit of God is what forms our holiness. When we leave God out of the picture and we pursue religion, it sounds like this. And we're only going to just pick out some of the highlights. But I just want you to see how distorted religion becomes when it's not the pursuit of the holiness of God. In the 23rd chapter and verse 5, he finally says to them, But all their works they do to be seen of men. Can you imagine that? That's what their religion was based upon. They just wanted to know. Is everybody watching us as we do this? If they're watching while we do it, we'll do it. But if not, we're not going to do it. It's all about whether or not others see us. Skip down to 13. But woe. He keeps saying that over and over. But woe to you scribes and Pharisees. Hypocrites. Exclamation mark. Hypocrites. For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. See how serious the situation was? He said, listen. 
You don't have a place in the kingdom of heaven. Wait a minute. We're the most religious people every day. We know the law better than anybody else in our day. You're going to tell us that we don't have a place in the kingdom of heaven. Absolutely, you're pursuing the wrong thing. And by the way, anybody that follows you, it's a shame they're following you because they don't have a place in the kingdom of heaven either because they're following someone that's not in the kingdom of heaven. We need to be careful who we follow, don't we? Now, notice this next verse 14. Another, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. Now, to make this real, how far off can religious people get if the holiness of God is not the pursuit. I want you to imagine a few of our elders in a serious elders meeting, and the topic is this. Oh, we understand that one of our widows is very vulnerable right now, and we think we could go in and say the right things, and we literally could steal her house from her, and we could sell it, and we could split it, and we could come out really, really good. Now, I hope everybody here would say, I can't imagine that. The religious leaders stealing the widows' houses? How far off base can you get whenever religion becomes your pursuit without holiness and without God? He even, right behind that, he says, I can tell you why you pray long prayers. He says it's all for a show. In other words, what Jesus is implying is He's saying, when you go in private, you don't have anything to say to God. It's only when you're out in front of the crowd that you pray the long, long prayers because it's not really to God. All of your life has become about your religious showing. Let's skip down and, and see another one. Verse 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of men and anise and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. And here he calls them blind guides, 24. Blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Now, lest you misread that, notice, he wasn't criticizing them for straining the gnat. God literally expected, under the old law, when they tithe, God literally expected you to go out to your little herb garden, and whenever you collect your herbs, even give 10% of your herbs to God. So don't jump on that bandwagon of, oh, the little things aren't important. He says, the little things are important. Just as you demanded all your people... That, hey, look at us, look at us. We brought our mint, we brought a tenth of our mint to give to God. He says, isn't that interesting that you'll strain at the small things that are gnat sized and then comes the camel along and you drink him right down and never pay any attention to things like mercy, to things like faith. Friends, justice, Remember, these were the guys that were selling the widows' homes. They were stealing them from them. How do you get to that point? How do you get to the point that you neglect our faith in God, our justice to mankind, 
a heart that is merciful. Not to put everybody in their place, but to say, I forgive you. What can I do to serve you? We don't have that kind of life. We don't have that kind of heart unless a pursuit of the holiness of God is what we're after. Be holy, for He is holy. That's why religion, that's how religion can become so pure and so beautiful. When it is the offspring of the relationship with God and obedience to all of God's Word. Back up just a few pages in your Bible. Let's look at one more quickly here in, in the book of Matthew. Let's go back to Matthew, the 19th chapter, page 869. In the Bible, it's in your pew. Matthew, the 19th chapter. Uh, we have dubbed this young man with a name. We call him the rich young ruler. You remember the rich young ruler who came to God, uh, to Jesus in verse 16 of Matthew, the 19th chapter, and wanted to know how to have eternal life. And Jesus talks with him a bit, but towards the end of 17, what he says to him is keep the commandments. And so in 18, he asked him, uh, which ones? And so Jesus answers, in other words, which commandments you should keep. And Jesus mentions, you should not murder, you should not commit adultery, you should not steal, you should not bear false witness on your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's pretty good moral laws, isn't it? If, if, if this young man really had done these things, you would describe him. If you were his neighbor, you'd say, that's the finest young man. You ought to see the way he treats his parents, the way he treats other people. He's just a good, good, fine young man. Now, notice the young man did this in 20. The young man said to him, all these things I've kept from my youth. What do I still lack? Now keep in mind, Jesus could know hearts. You and I would not have this benefit, but Jesus knew this man's heart. And so Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. When the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Isn't this interesting that this man was so moral? And so it would be easy for us by human reason to just translate that over and say, that man pursues the holiness of God. Well, how do you know it? Look how moral he is. Is that equate? Is that equal? If someone is very moral, they seek the holiness of God? No. You see, God knew, Jesus knew there was one thing that separated this young man from God. From that total pursuit of the holiness of God. And he knew for this young man, it was his great wealth. And so he's challenging him to set aside the very thing that is causing him to stumble. Give it to the poor, notice this, and follow me. He didn't do either one. Instead of following Jesus and selling it and giving it to the poor, he walked away sorrowful. Not following Jesus, walked away sorrowful, implied, I'm going to hang on to my great number of possessions that I have. Friends, what I need to learn is, it's not just this question. Do other people say that I'm a good person? If everybody says I'm a good person, I live a holy life and I'm very satisfied with that. Listen, it's wonderful if we have a reputation that we live a good moral life. But I need to understand, my number one priority must be a relationship with God. God knows if there's one thing that I place before Him. That's what this little short story is all about. 
Is there one thing that I place before God? I can't really claim that... Think about it. I'm in pursuit. I'm giving my all. I can't say that I'm doing that toward the holiness of the Lord if there's that one thing that I allow to stay there. And, and kind of the, the tough part of the matter is we get comfortable letting it stay there if everybody else tells us we're such a good person. On the day of judgment, the Lord is not going to say, let's have a popularity vote. How many people think, and He calls your name out, how many people think that they were a good, a great Christian? And everybody says, yeah, I do. Okay, come on into heaven. It sounds silly, doesn't it? But if we're not careful, we get to living like that. I know what I struggle with. You know what you struggle with. Have we left it between us and God? Or can we say, even more importantly, does our Lord say, That we have loved Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's a pursuit of God. It's not easy. The pursuit is a challenge. The pursuit is giving our all. The pursuit of the holiness of God. But then finally this morning, I'd like for us to drop back to the end of the Bible. Revelation, the third chapter. A passage that many of you will know very well. In Revelation, the third chapter, is page 1090, the Bibles that's in your pew, 1090. In Revelation, the third chapter, we have the church of Laodicea mentioned in verse 14. There's something that he wants them to change. In other words, they were not on the pursuit of holiness to the degree that they should have been. There was a major, major flaw. And he tells them that they're going to have to overcome. Now think about that word, overcome. This is a hurdle. This is stopping you. Are you going to be willing to overcome it? Are you going to be willing to push it out of the way? To suppress it? To get beyond it? What was it that they were going to have to overcome? He says in 15, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. We're all familiar with with something being extremely cold or extremely hot. You know, uh, when, when a cold weather like this, how cold your water can get. I grew up on a farm where our water came straight out of the spring that was just about 100 feet out of the back door. And in the wintertime, the water was so cold. Take a good drink of water and, oh, it was so cold. It almost hurt your throat. It was so cold. Cut that faucet off and, and turn the handle for the hot. Oh, it's so hot. You can't hardly put your hands under it. It's real easy to understand if, if you want to make it comfortable. To the touch, you turn both handles on. And you have lukewarm water. There's so many settings where lukewarm is the way to go. It's comfortable. It's easy. It's that way spiritually if we're not careful. It gets so easy to put a little bit of a foot in a relationship with Christ... And then keep a little bit of a foot in a relationship with the world. Just kind of lean whichever way is comfortable at the moment. You're starting to feel a little guilty with the world. Just lean a little bit toward the Lord and ease your conscience. You're around people with the world and just enjoy their pleasures of sin for a moment. And then lean back over with the world and 
and worship with them, or with Christ and worship with His church on Sunday morning? Do you see what He's saying here? Spiritually speaking, in a pursuit of holiness, He's saying it's not possible. Keep in mind, because God is holy, He pulls away from anything that would defile. The Lord cannot embrace sin. The Lord cannot hold close people that live with a foot in the world. And so the Lord says, when I see lukewarm spirituality, I vomit it out of my mouth. I can't cling to that. I can't hold to that. I can't treasure that. I can't save that. Can you imagine a Boy Scout coming up to you and saying, I'm going to light a fire. Okay, I, I want to see you light the fire. And he gets cubes of ice. He pours a big lump of cubes of ice on the ground. Can you imagine getting down with, with, with a match or a lighter and he just continually holds and holds and holds that fire to the cubes of ice? And finally, you'd explain, son, I don't think you're ever going to ignite that ice. You can't even hardly imagine it, can you? Ice on fire. Luke, warmness. I want to take some ice and I want to blend it with fire. I want to take what the Lord has designed to be a pursuit of holiness. And I want to blend it with the pleasure of the world. It's not going to blend. Oh, it may blend in our life, but it won't blend in a spiritual walk with God. So what have we learned? This morning, I want to walk away from here knowing this. We generally achieve what we pursue. And right now, if what you have achieved in your life, you say, I don't really like it, we better start pursuing something else. A second thing that I hope we've learned is that the life we live helps determine whether or not we see God. I'm sure in an audience this size, there would be somebody that would say, I just don't feel as close to God as what I know I ought to. And so then logically we ask why. Most of the time it has something to do with the life we're living. Listen, I can't live pursuing the world and then wonder why I'm not growing closer to God. It's the pursuit of the holiness of God that draws us closer to God. And finally, I hope this morning that we've learned enough that we would be willing to pray this prayer or something like this each day this week. Holy God, help me to see Your holiness in every opportunity and every moment. Think how our lives might change. If we literally went about our day saying, I want to see God's will and God's way in every person I run into. That person at work that's that difficult co-worker, what if tomorrow you started dealing with them, not based upon the flesh, but you started dealing with them based upon a pursuit of holiness? God, how is it that you want me to interact right now in this difficult situation? Forgive me. Forget my selfish desires. What do you want, God? What if we went back into our homes and we started dealing with our children based solely upon 
Our number one desire is a pursuit of holiness in our home. What if the next time your, your wife or your husband or you, you were in conflict with each other? That probably doesn't happen at your house, but it does in some houses. And, and, and what if you're dealing in conflict with each other and you say, you know what? I'm not going to try to win this one. I want holiness to win this one. I want a pursuit of holiness to win this. What if when we're in the world, living our day-to-day life, holiness is what is directing us. And we know we're not at home there. What if we're in personal time, we devote that time to God in a search for greater holiness? Friends, we usually achieve what we pursue. And if we're lacking in holiness, it's probably because we haven't pursued it. This morning, let's be prayerful about that. Let's be determined to live out a life of pursuit toward God. There's nobody here perfect. But we can all leave here forgiven. That's part of the pursuit of holiness. We'd love to encourage you. We'd love to walk hand in hand through this life and this earth together. And and all of us live together for an eternity. How awesome would that be? If there's something we can do to encourage you, if there's something that we can do to help you, if you've never been baptized into Christ as we studied earlier, or, or if you have and, and you've allowed sin to separate you, and this morning is the morning that you want to pursue the holiness of God with all of your being, if we can help you in any way comes we stand and as we